spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 231st annual Subliminal Exception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad, if you can believe it. It was almost 50 degrees today. Um, Almost unbelievable for January 31st, 2024, in the state of Minnesota, where there's usually snow and fucking freezing and all that. All that. Yeah, I'm uh, reminded this past week that I need to get my AC fixed in the car. Yeah, yep. It was the therom- the thermometer in my car read 88 <laughs> uh, as I was coming home from the mall on Monday night. So, <laughs> are you I'm pretty sure if you people were to go back exactly 1 year from this episode, you would be talking about fixing your AC. Yeah, here's the thing about procrastination. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, if it's not killing me, then I'm probably not going to do it. So that's yeah. the, that's the bad thing about that. But yeah. Um, I got a little story, real quick story here. Um, okay. so last night, um, I, I do like doing like bar slash restaurant bingo, right? Yeah. So last night, a friend of mine a- a- went to this place. It's usually 10 games, you know, they have different ways you got to line up the lines or whatever, right, each game. The very last one is like the jackpot, and you have to black out every single circle, right? Yep. And if you get it under 58, you win like double the amount of money. I'm not shitting you. My friend had every spot highlighted except for one. Okay. Yeah. And there's like four numbers remaining or four turns before you get over that 58. And it didn't come, didn't come, didn't come, didn't come. And then like two numbers after 58, somebody else fucking got it. Oh. That's, oh, I could feel the pain. (laughs) The fucking pain. Oh my God. Fucking old people, man. They have like seven cards on their table. They got dotters everywhere. They're just dotting the beat hell. You got to remember, though, that's the only thing that those people have. True. That fucking bingo. And they're also probably degenerate gamblers when they're not playing bingo. (laughs) Guess they're also doing the whole fucking casino van thing or casino bus where they take the buses around different casinos. Yeah. 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. But as an elder millennial, uh, You know, ten, 20 bucks for two and a half hours of entertainment. It's not bad. I will say that. So I'd recommend it to anybody. Just uh, if you are questioning it, just give it a try. It's kind of fun. But uh, sorry, Phil, what were you going to say? Oh, well, that 20 bucks. Yeah, that's a pretty cheap night, actually, uh, minus the drinks and whatnot. <laughs> 20 bucks in some cities might get you into like, what, maybe one, maybe two clubs. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah cover, you know, I also have a story, too. Uh, it's about my uh, my personal growth. So uh, in my job, I started a 
kind of a different position where I'm a bit of an office person now. So I started wearing polos rather than my Ooh. everyday black t-shirts that I've been wearing. Very nice. When, yeah. Thing is, I went to the mall. Uh, it's one of those huge like outdoor malls that kind of they make it look kind of like a town square type deal with all yep. the stores and everything in the streets in the middle. Yep. So I was walking around. First place I went to was Dillard's. I bought some Hurley polos that okay. kind of, you know, they looked okay. But then I, I went to uh, Nordstrom's and they have actually like a whole men's section, which is like the biggest men's section I've ever seen. And just a shit ton of polos. I ended up buying six of them. And then I realized like, oh, fuck, I bought all these like really good looking cheap polos. The ones I got at Dillard's were 50 bucks a piece and they don't look as good. Also, they're kind of like the dirty skater kid type of polos, mm. which you don't really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. So I did something that I've never done in my entire life. Did I you? actually took those polos and returned them. At Whoa. Okay. I know. <laughs> were, how scared were you? Were you, was it a lot? Did you, did you handle it? Okay. Well, I had to, I had to work myself up to it. Uh, I walked around <laughs> the building. I walked past two doors before I finally walked into one of them. Uh, when I got up to the guy, you know, I, <laughs> I first, of course, apologized. I am from the Midwest. Explained thoroughly why I was bringing them back and expected him to be angry at me for some reason. I kind of felt like, like when you're a teenager and you're buying comms for the first time, you're kind of like working your way up to it. I kind of felt like that a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> why is the condom thing so weird? Like, is it the judgmental <laughs> stares? Is it the, like, technically you're about to go have sex. I mean, theoretically, so... Uh, it should be a high-five moment for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem is we we grew up in a small town, and I don't know... I mean, I know your mom is the biggest chatty Cathy in the yeah. entire town. Yeah. So if I was you, I would definitely be driving to, like, Rochester to go buy condoms. <laughs> I know I went and bought my first pack in Decorah. Uh, okay. Honestly, uh-huh. though, I don't even know if the fairway in town, like, sold condoms so i don't even know if there was a place in cresco to get them i always had to go uh, out of town to get them probably the pharmacy oh the gas station did i know the oh. gas station did <laughs> you can't trust gas station condoms. <laughs> dude honestly i bet some of the bars there had the little coin ones oh guaranteed kind of like the well the fucking bars in minnesota still had the um the Cigarette vending machines. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah those were cool. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the strip club did. I remember that. Um, but uh, actually, at one of the music venues, I cannot remember which one. In the bathroom, they do still have a condom uh, machine. I forgot. I just saw that not too long ago. Um, I don't know who's using it, but somebody <laughs> might be thinking about using that. Yeah, those might be a little bit past their prime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> those condoms might be a little uh, what, brittle My, by the time you open yeah, them up. Yeah, check the expiration date <laughs> on them bad boys. <laughs> yeah, it's good practice. <laughs> All right, you ready for this week's episode? Yeah, I'll set it. All right, here we go. On this week's installment of Sub D, we'll be returning to a subject that we haven't t- touched in quite some time. That subject being, of course, cursed objects. What I find most unique about so-called cursed items is that the beginning of the story generally involves some sort of horrific event filled with much pain and suffering 
then the curse, the item's cursed, and then the curse passes on the shared misery to others who come across its path. So what I want to find out today, we're going to be talking about a chest, a cursed chest. So we want to know, is the pain placed on this chest being passed on to others, or is it nothing more than a very long line of what I'm going to call improbable coincidences Okay, you're gonna, we're gonna be talking about a lot of dead people today. So you tell me if the chest is cursed or if it is just uh, a lot of very unlucky people, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You mentioned like passing things on. It reminded me of kind of that family car that all yeah. of the siblings have to drive for, at least for a little while. It's usually a station wagon <laughs> of some kind. Family. <laughs> very much a cursed item. I would say a family heirloom. That's what I would call that there. <laughs> you remember the, yeah. so I'm trying to think of the other cursed ones we've done. Um, I always remember the death chair. Where yes. Like you sit in it and you die. Um, I think the, or I'm pretty positive the origin of that was somebody was sitting in the chair and got killed when they left the chair by somebody else or some shit like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. This one is a, a very unique item. Um, and it's, we're going to be talking about a location that I think is going to be very fond to your heart, Phil. Um, but we'll, we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay. My favorite one so far that we've done was definitely like the Egyptian. Items. Ah. I believe one was like a hand or something. The mummy's hand. Did we? I don't even I remember. <laughs> I think so. It's like a mummified hand. Either it was like a human hand or like a monkey hand or something like that. <laughs> but I do remember that story. That might also be a Halloween episode of The Simpsons I'm thinking about. Too. It could. I know we did King Tut. Um, did, yeah. You did Jesus's foreskin. I That one always sticks in my mind. Ah, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he had... There was enough Jesus foreskin for like one of those fucking circus penises, basically, was the joke we had. Yeah. There was so much Jesus foreskin in the world. Oh, man. That's a good episode, guys. You should watch it. I don't even remember what it's called, but it's a lot of pieces of Jesus and the magical properties of them, allegedly. Um, good episode. Now, this particular cursed object we will be talking about about today has become known as quote the conjure chest now keep in mind when i'm saying chest i'm referring to a dresser not like a trunk type of chest i feel like i don't know if this is like a midwestern thing but when i hear chest i think of like um <laughs> like a treasure chest like a, like a treasure chest yeah yeah like that yep, that's, exactly that's not what this is this is a dr like dresser phil you can see the picture of yep. here clearly now there's one oh. really interesting thing i noticed about this story okay so <laughs> different websites use different names to describe the people involved <laughs> with the chess curse okay while the Kentucky Historical Society uh, uses a very specific line of people's names, which I'm going to be using because I assume, I would hope, Kentucky, that you have the most historically accurate information. But you know what? It's Kentucky, so we don't 
We don't know for sure, but it, uh, it's just nice to see that they tried. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. This is <laughs> reading's not their best attribute. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is like the first time I've ever seen that where um, they all these websites call them by one name and the historical society calls them by another name. So I'm hope, like I said, I'm hoping to God the Kentucky historical society has got their shit together if they have historical society in their name i will say i think um to talk about the difference between chest and dresser i will say that i think chest for this item is a like a much older term for it i think we call it a dresser now yeah so especially now that dressers are made like much more like cheap so in the past a a chest was like a family heirloom, like something you would pass down. Now, after five years, the thing's fucking falling apart. You got it at <laughs> Ikea. You know, you put it together. Yourself. I hope one day to my children, I can pass down my <laughs> Ikea dresser. It's been in our family for 25% of my generation, and it's barely holding together. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I definitely, when I uh, was... I took it from when I was in college at UNI. I took it through the military and all the way back to going to college when I was in uh, Tempe. And by the time I got rid of that thing, it was basically like the sides that were falling off of it. <laughs> the drawers no longer shut all the way. It was just absolutely fucking trashed. Yeah, the dresser I have, um, I, I more or less only use about two doors on it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the rails will fall off if you touch it just the right way. So, um, as a 38 year old man, I have considered a new dresser. I have definitely considered a new dresser. Yeah. The funny thing is it's that Midwestern, that Midwest fucking humidity. We'll get to it too. Yeah. So, yeah. Warps the shit out of that wood. It's yeah. Not good. Yeah. Very true. Um, quick thing here. What is an armoire? Is that also kind of like this or is that i believe the... i believe that's the the big thing that opens up like a closet okay i'm okay. not mistaken okay. yeah i could be though okay well either way guys um literally just type in the conjure chest um and you'll there's a million pictures of this and you'll see obviously it's a very lovely um chest here uh this yeah. shit would oh. probably if this was handmade now this is like a $10,000 fucking uh, dresser. It's something that you would see on Antique Roadshow. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Without a fucking doubt. And you know it would definitely come with some crazy backstory about some historical figure, like banging one of his maids against it or something, <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so before we continue on, like I mentioned, a uh, lot of names here. This okay. is the Kintuck, um, and people don't just have usually a first and last name. It's usually a series of words uh, that make up their name. So I'm going to try to keep this as concise as possible. But uh, in this next section, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Definitely. In that Middle Kingdom, fucking those middle names are very important. <laughs> exactly. Tennessee, Kentucky, fucking. <laughs> you classy boy, you got three middle names? Um, okay, so... <laughs> Jimbo Bob. <laughs> now, 
kind of the origin of this goes, okay? Sometime in the mid to late 1800s, a woman by the name of Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland had written, some people say it's a letter, some people say it's a short book, uh, and it was titled Flapdoodle, Trust and Obey, which detailed the story about the conjure chest that had been told to Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland by Virginia's grandmother. Okay, you following me here? Now, apparently, Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland had used aliases for all the people involved with her, with this story of the chest. Okay, so I think this is where the names get all jumbled. Now, Virginia's daughter, Virginia Carey Hudson Maine, then passed (laughs) this story and book down to her daughter, Beverly Maine Keenzel, who in 2000. 17 updated said book and she titled it the conjure chest a cursed family in old kentucky now apparently in beverly's book she actually uses the correct names for all the people so her grandma used fake names beverly updated it to allegedly the official real correct people's names that are involved with said chest okay does this make sense at all yes it does a few things really quick i'm pretty sure all families who live in kentucky are potentially cursed (laughs) also i will say probably beverly's grandmother a lot of the people that were showing up in her stories maybe their children were still alive or potentially the people in the stories were still alive but by the time that the you know, it got down to what 2017. I'm guessing they were all long dead. Oh Anyone yeah, who actually cared. Oh so. yeah, there might be another reason because the guy who commissioned the chest is not nice at all. So maybe that's why she changed uh, it. And they would be like her, I don't know, like great great grandpa or something. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, the other thing is, Virginia names her daughter Virginia. And then I think that Virginia has another daughter named Virginia. (laughs) I do like how the names progressively get shorter. (laughs) I imagine as their wealth decreased. Yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, it is believed that this chest was originally created in between the 1830s and the 1840s. They don't know the exact year, but they're almost positive it's between those two decades. Uh In Meade County, which is located, obviously, in Kentucky, the Historical Society says the name of the original owner of the chest is Jeremiah Graham, but other websites call him Jacob Cooley. Okay, there's the first mix-up. Okay. But we're going to stick with Jeremiah Graham because, like I said, it seems the most historically accurate. Uh, The reason that Jeremiah wanted this chest created was because he had just found out his wife was pregnant and he wanted the chest made for the baby. So, so far, everything pretty standard. He wanted a chest to put the baby's shit in. Um, yeah, what do you uh, what do you think about that? There's a spoiled will, baby already. No, definitely. I will say <laughs> Jacob Cooley. Maybe that's his like gang name or a pseudonym. <laughs> For his nefarious activities. That's it's sweet. a lot cooler name than Jeremiah Graham. So uh, Maybe that's his name when he gets drunk. 
Oh, potentially <laughs> when he's meeting new girls. Yeah. So <laughs> also too, we were talking about, um, you know, wanting it for the new baby, the new babies, things and everything like that. Um, definitely. I could see that I was, cause when I looked at it, I was thinking, Oh, that's kind of small. It almost kind of looks like, like I'm, a medium sized dresser or like one of those big end tables that you see next to people's beds. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. though, it's kind of hard to tell with this picture because you don't really get a good, there's no size comparison. Yeah. It's kind of by itself. Yeah. So, um, though it could probably fit everything that the baby needs. I'm guessing. I will so. say this. Um, we're going to talk about <laughs> my favorite man on the universe, Zach Baggins and this dresser uh, later. And it is a, I would say pretty standard full-size dresser. Um, it's not as tall as dressers we think of today if you have like a five-drawer one. Um, yeah. But I would say it's maybe like, I don't know, four foot tall maybe. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, that, that picture of it kind of makes it look like it's about three feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. It's a little bigger. No, I mean it's not massive, but it's it's pretty good sized. So, uh, the baby's starting out strong anyway. Now, Jeremiah Graham, he owned a very large plantation just outside of Frankfort, Kentucky, back in the early 1800s. This meant he also had a lot of enslaved people who worked on said plantation. It might not come as a shock, but Jeremiah was known for treating the enslaved people absolutely horrible. Uh, they did anything he didn't like. He would respond with physical violence and probably other untold despicable punishments that this story doesn't even talk about. So basically, after he decided that he wanted the chess made, Jeremiah would order a slave by the name of one site says Hosiah, and the other one says Remus. And Remus is from the historical society, so we're going to call him Remus. And he was going to be in charge of crafting this chest. As you can see, Remus made an absolute beautiful chest. But for some reason, Jeremiah was not happy with it. He was enraged, and he actually beat Remus to death. He beat him to death for his disdain for, uh, I guess, his craftsmanship, or I don't know why he did it, but he did. And that's odd. That's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't under... Well, it looks good. I mean, it looks good to me. I don't know well, if it's maybe been refinished or something, or what's I going mean, on. But I, from the sounds of it, he's just an asshole, yeah, too, I yeah. guess. He is just a pure asshole. I'm sure he just did it just because he's an asshole. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this picture is taken from the historical society where this chest is to this day. I'm yep. sure it's been, you know, I don't know, updated, I guess is the word you'd call it. Um, but Maintained. It, maintained, yeah. They probably, yeah. you know, carefully, you know, restained it, you know, if they had to put anything back together. Um, it does kind of, well, I mean, you know, it rich asshole kind of yeah, the stories yeah. revolving around yeah i'm guessing right at this point right now yeah so um they're kind of really building this you know the the heel in the story <laughs> Is that, okay well we'll continue <laughs> i see what you're saying um but uh so we'll continue on here now obviously the other enslaved people on the plantation 
were very upset that Jeremiah had killed Remus. Among one of the slaves was someone they referred to as a conjure man, an individual who practiced spells and curses that went along with their spiritual beliefs of their homeland. It doesn't really go into detail, but it kind of sounded like Santeria or some sort of voodoo practice. That's kind of like what their religious beliefs were. Either way, the conjure man and a small group of enslaved people would have access to the chest without Jeremiah seeing them, and they would place a curse upon it. Apparently how they did this was put dried owl's blood in the drawers, and then they, you know, collectively chanted some sort of words that placed the curse on this dresser, completely unbeknownst to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is going to face the consequences of them putting the curse on it. Okay. So is there any kind of like symbolism for an owl? Or I don't know. It- I don't know. It's an owl is like the linchpin of this curse. And I don't know why. Okay. Gotcha. Well, I mean, there are quite a few religions that like use owls, you know, like the, those rich assholes, they all, uh, you know, kind of, with the satanic worship, I guess. Oh, yeah. Use owls. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, um, owls are kind of seen as almost like a, not a supernatural being, but kind of like almost a guardian, um, right? Yeah. Kind of. Um, I don't know if you would call them sentient, but, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I've seen. Um, so Athena uh, was known to show up as an owl. I'm pretty oh, sure. oh, yeah. OK. All right. Um, yeah. I'll just say this about Owls, Phil. I've been on Owl uh, Instagram reels, and those owls are not mean. They're just cute. So I don't know what this particular owl had in its blood, but it apparently is uh, going to go ahead and kill a lot of people. Yeah, they might be cute. They're also vicious hunters. (laughs) (laughs) They're just cleaning up the vermin. That's all they're doing. Stray cats. I agree. (laughs) So uh, pretty much from here on out, we are going to more or less just uh, be talking about a whole bunch of people either dying or having extremely bad things happen to them. Not necessarily they die, but, um, you know, bad luck, bad juju, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, Uh, but we'll kick it off here. So they placed the curse on the chest and it got its first victim almost right away. Um, so Jeremiah, he was very upset. Obviously he killed a guy for how much he didn't like the chest, but he still used it and he had planned to use it for the newborn within days after Jeremiah's newborn son was born, he would die making the baby victim number one. After this, Jeremiah would give the chest to his twin brother, Jonathan's son to use Jeremiah's nephew would place his clothing within the chest which that seems to activate the curse if you put your clothing in one of the drawers you're you're basically on a death sentence more or less so this guy on his 21st birthday or 25th birthday depending on what source you're looking at uh, he was actually stabbed to death by his servant on his birthday 
So that seems to be going around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People wanting to stab their uh, master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume whatever Jeremiah's nephew's name was, he probably was an asshole. Yeah, uh, birds of the feather, yeah. owls of the feather, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> also, to um, like Sids. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, infant uh, mortality rates were really bad back then. So I will say um, you're probably right, because there's a lot of dead babies or young children in this story. So uh, that's probably one of the actual causes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just think about we talked about that one miracle cure that they used to feed to babies. Uh, <laughs> Heroin? <back>. <laughs> <laughs> Back was yeah, pretty much heroin. Yeah, it was like Mrs. or whatever, um, whatever. There was like horrible active ingredients, and the lady who the there was one man whose like what mother created it. The yeah. problem is she was a nurse, so she knew exactly how much to give a newborn not to kill it. And they ended up bottling it and selling it to people, and they were just shoveling it down kids' yeah. throat. The so- the soothing syrup. The soothing syrup. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So think about <laughs> even further back, they were probably just feeding them straight mercury. So <laughs> probably, honestly. Um, yeah, I remember that soothing syrup sounded like probably what Jake the Snake Roberts drank for breakfast, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Heroin and fucking alcohol. That's all you need. You get you through the day. Liquid somas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now, after the second death, Apparently, Jeremiah's sister-in-law is the only one who knew anything about this chest or, like, suspected something. Amanda Winchell Graham, she decided they're going to go ahead and put the cursed chest in the attic for a few years so it's unable to harm anybody. Now, the next part is a little confusing, but uh, bear with me here. So, Jeremiah Graham's youngest daughter, Catherine Winchell... Uh, would go on to marry a freshly immigrated Irishman named John Ryan. Uh, the two of them didn't have anywhere to live, so one of Catherine's siblings offered to allow her to live with them and work on a farm that they owned in Tennessee. John Ryan and Catherine uh, would, you know, their marriage would be fine for a while. They'd have kids, as Irish people are wont to do. Uh, but their marriage eventually would start to sour. Apparently, in an attempt to cheer up Catherine after, you know, the uh, the problems with her spouse, they gifted her this chest because apparently they had forgotten that the chest was <laughs> cursed. Within days of getting the chest, John Ryan fled the home and headed for New Orleans where he would die when a gangplank from a riverboat hit him in the head. Uh, Catherine was so depressed and exhausted, she would refuse to leave her bed and soon died as well. So we got victims three and four here. Okay. These two are a little bit of a stretch. They're, uh, <laughs> he's definitely dying off site. And um, I don't know if you can actually die from... It's confirmed you can die from a broken heart, but oh kinda, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure, man. Because she you, just rotted away in bed, pretty much. Is that the you? Yeah. Well, I think the theory is like you don't eat, you don't, uh, you know, do the stuff you need to live, drink water, 
move, you know, things like that. I will say that is just like fucking rich people to <laughs> to just think that, oh, I'll just give them a gift. What yeah. gift? Uh, yeah. just any old thing we have in the attic, <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> How can she be depressed when she's got this beautiful chest? <laughs> Catherine, what do you have to whine about? Definitely. Yeah. I don't know what a gangplank is, but it doesn't sound good. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, ooh, on a riverboat gangplank. Maybe, I don't know. I've never heard of that term. I assumed it was just like the board they put down to board it from the dock. Oh, but, uh, possibly. Yeah. So like you you mean like when the boat's next to like the, the side of the harbor, yes. the dock? Yes, and yes. They, okay, maybe. I mean, that could be. <laughs> How he got killed by it, I don't know. But <laughs> Maybe know. he fell into the river and he hit it on the head. <laughs> Or he had his head against it. Possibly. Well, he probably was drunk, so let's um, factor <laughs> he that in. He's an Irishman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's sad is he had freshly impregnated a woman. Yeah, yeah. And then died. With multiple children. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't be an Irishman if he wasn't drunk <laughs> and had just impregnated someone. What, so. what did you call this? The Irish goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Irish goodbye is when you just leave a party. But. <laughs> Remember we had the other episode with the Irish guy? Yeah. And he abandoned his family. <laughs> you call that oh, something. yeah, that's the Irish goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so just, the Irish goodbye is basically when you're at a party and you decide to leave. And rather than saying goodbye <laughs> to everyone or, you know, say, thanking the hostess for a great time, you just leave. Yeah. So also in a relationship, though, the Irish goodbye is when the dad just kind of <laughs> <laughs> never comes home. <laughs> It's an, it's an adjective. You can use it in multiple scenarios to mean different things. It's very versatile, just like the yes. potato or yes. whiskey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, we're not talking about Jeremiah. We're talking about his twin brother, Jonathan. Now, Jonathan... Graham would eventually take all of John and Catherine's now orphaned children under his wing. One of the children named Eliza, who was the grandmother of the author, Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland. Um, as she grew up, she would end up marrying a Scotsman named John David Gregory. And guess what, Phil? Their wedding gift is the chest. So nice. Uh, the curse of the chest, though, this is really weird. Even though they owned it, it lay dormant for several years before the death curse would kind of come back upon them. It, when it kind of flared up again, it began with Eliza and John's son, who is named Louis Gregory, and he would die at the age of 10, that they correlate to the um, dresser here. Another one of Eliza's sons would go on to marry a lady named Stella Stonecipher uh, before the wedding. Stella. That badass name. I know. I would take her last name if this was my wife. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Stella uh, would keep her wedding attire in this chest, and within two years of their marriage, Stella would suddenly die, I guess for unknown reasons. Yeah, that husband, hopefully he kept that last name Stonecipher. So. <laughs> hopefully and, they uh, had some kids to pass that fucking name on to. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it just sounds so cool. But yeah, I mean, they kind of say like, oh, the, the, 
curse lay dormant for a few years and then it struck again. It seems like there's just a lot of coincidence. I mean, people back then just kind of used to die. I mean, I hate to be a, you know, like a sore sport about this, but, you know, people back then just, you know, like just didn't make it a lot of the times. Well, so I there's the aspect too. obviously we can discuss at the end. But like you said, they made the heel, right? Uh, yep. meaning this could all be a fictional story made up by Virginia, you know? Yeah, um, that's potentially. Yeah, so. so I don't know. But uh, but yeah, like you said, 1800s, people just died. I mean, <laughs> as weird as it is to say, people just fucking died. Yeah, you got to think it is way long before, like, penicillin. It's before, you know, we knew a lot about medicine. Like, they were still talking about, like, you know, spirits and stuff like, uh, you know, basically trying to like regulate your body the right way. And, you know, with your, you know, a lot of bad stuff still. So yeah. We, yeah. we were just coming up on like actual medicine, you know, the Dr. Quinn medicine woman shit <laughs> was yeah. just starting to yeah. come in. You remember that show? Like she was starting to introduce things to these you know, very superstitious people like that kind of shit was starting to just come across the country. So, yeah. And in, uh, you know, in the Kintuck, um, sometimes that's, they're real scared about it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old Jimmy Dar. You know what? Sometimes I wish we still knew him. We could be like, Jimmy, I bet you put your clothes in your dresser, this dresser <laughs> at one point, didn't you? <laughs> you know him. He'd be like, hell yeah, I did not. Never happened to me though. Oh, yeah, he have a, he probably knows the people who own it now. <laughs> <laughs> probably. All right, continuing on here. Now, at some point during 1884, a friend of Eliza named Mabel Lewis Whitehead and her husband, Wilbur Harlan, would marry and live in the same house as Eliza and John. You know, this was kind of a custom thing. You just have, like, people <laughs> living in your house. Um, in 1901, Mabel and Wilbur would have their first child named Chester. They placed Chester's baby clothing within the chest. Two weeks later, Chester would die. Wilbur, Wilbur Harlan would then start placing his clothing in the dresser, and he would go on to die in 1905. A nephew of John David Gregory named Emmett would also face the fate of the chest, but not by his own hand. His mother had actually made him a really special Christmas present, which were knitted gloves and a knitted scarf. She went ahead and hid Emmett's Christmas presents in the chest because she didn't want him to find them. In 1909, <laughs> Emmett was getting off of a train and fell 30 feet through the train trestle and died. So thanks, Mom. Yep. I will say you can kind of like you can sense that this family's wealth is just deteriorating <laughs> over the decades. Like they just keep getting poorer and poorer. I don't know knitted gloves and a scarf and well eight early 1900s. I I don't know early 1900s. I feel like a rich family could have bought something. <laughs> yeah. By that point, you know. I was like when I was reading this part about him falling through a train trestle. Right. I'm yeah. like I'm pretty sure that's. Almost when a train is um, elevated, right? And they fall I, through it. What I think is that is when 
Mm. It's either the walkway that goes. So when you're in a train station to get to the other side, you, you go on like that elevated walkway. It's either that, or there's like an elevated track. Well, and you're that, kind of like, yeah, you think it's that? Yeah, because when I Googled it, it was like an elevated track. Okay, gotcha. So it's like at a station, there's multiple layers, and yeah. that was one of them. Okay, gotcha. Potentially, I've ne- yeah. I've never seen a train station, though, like <laughs> that they stop the train on the elevated part and just park up there. And somehow this fucking guy just walked right off. I guess he wasn't looking uh, what was below him <laughs> at all. And he just went right through it. Maybe that fucking scarf got around his eyes. <laughs> he is a Scotsman, so maybe he was drinking a little bit. Um, you never know. But uh, but yeah, you could say that about all ethnicities, though. <laughs> Everyone's kind of known for drinking. Not Norwegians; they are pure. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, <laughs> some people are just louder about their drinking than others. Um, but. Uh, Oh, we, definitely the Scots and the Irish are. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were quite, in. Uh, yeah, I'll never forget when we were in Edinburgh, and there was the drunk Scots watching the rugby game, and they were so into it. And you and I were just sitting in the hotel, like, "What the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> Who are these people?" Yeah, I'm like, "What yeah. the fuck?" <laughs> it was great. It's a memory I'll never forget. Of course, they probably look at Americans watching football and wonder, like, what the, you know, <laughs> yeah. why do you give a fuck about this? It's so slow. Yeah. Which they do have a point. I have Very heard. Uh, well, they were not Scots. I have heard English people basically talking like they were as they're watching their first ever football game on TV. They kept bitching like another fucking commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be calling a timeout, punting away the ball. They just hated all of it. To be fair to our uh, British brethren, um, any sporting event in the United States is loaded with fucking commercials. Oh, yeah. That's what the whole thing's about. In other countries, they care about the sport. Yeah. In America, it's just the commercials. That's (laughs) the (laughs) the only reason why the fucking sports on TV. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. The sport is just there to get your eyes on the TV so you're watching the commercials. For the beer commercials. Yeah. yeah basically. <laughs> All right. Now, the daughter of Eliza and John named Nellie Gregory would go on to marry a man named Fred Freeze. Or Freeze or Freeze. I don't know. It doesn't matter. In 1905. For some reason, Nellie would decide it would be a good idea to put her wedding clothes within the chest. Because of this, uh, friend Fred ended up abandoning her and running away after he married Nellie, and he was never seen again. Irish goodbye. Uh, <laughs> John David Gregory, the uh, Eliza's husband, would die in 1908, after which Eliza Gregory uh, decided to move said chest into her personal bedroom on April 4th, 19. 19- 15, Eliza Gregory would end up committing suicide. After her death, the chest was inherited by the granddaughter of Eliza Gregory, Virginia Carrie Hudson Cleveland, the original author of the book. So this kind of takes us full circle to the author finally having ownership of the conjure chest. By this time, was she the first person to kind of figure out that this chest was cursed? 
after she kind of tracked down all of the family members that had died who had things or is because uh, this chest by now is 85 years old. <laughs> so it's definitely would, made the rounds in the family. You would assume. Uh, well, yeah, she had to. She had to know about it if she wrote the book and she's telling the books basically about all the stories her grandmother told her. Um, the only thing I th- I'm thinking this alludes to is Eliza was maybe depressed or something. And she put her the stuff in her clothing in it to like expedite her death because her husband was dead. Um, mm. I'm not sure. One thing that I've always found crazy. This is getting off the subject. But, so you always hear stories about like kind of the 1800s, how interested they were in the occult, Satanism, paganism, kind of like all the religious revivals. You hear about how interested people were in like spirits and ghosts. Yeah. And then you move on to like the greatest generation quote greatest generation and just remembering how of like they would never even if you even brought up ghosts or spirits or anything like that they would just like immediately want to change the subject yeah you know yep. wouldn't want to talk about it at all change yep. the subject yeah yep i know exactly what you're talking about i wonder where that switch came from yeah i have no idea maybe it's it was so real for them living during like world war one world war two all that the great depression shit was so real they just didn't even want to hear about <laughs> yeah crazy parent like oh god not another thing i mean let's think about world war one world war two and the spanish flu hitting them uh that's like 300 million dead people isn't it well yeah and then there's also you know the strife of growing up during uh, the great, great depression, depression. And- yeah. yeah 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 that is true um People usually turn to religion in their, you know, kind of darkest time, right? I suppose. It's it's kind of weird because there's different times of, like, revival and it going, like, up and down. Kind of like during the 80s was known as a time of, like, you know, religious resurgence. 2000s, same thing. We're in a downswing right now. So the weird thing is, though, once the downswing of, like, the religious, you know, shit happens this upswing in like the spiritual kind of happens yeah you know kind of what i mean like crystals are written really big astrology uh fauci was pretty big you know people were <laughs> just believing in bullshit basically <laughs> you and your war against fauci man um but yeah i think uh, he is the greatest heel of our time so i will say i would um People, I think, right now are looking for alternative religious beliefs uh, outside of Christianity, Islam. Uh, well, Judaism's always kind of small. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like the big three, kind of looking for uh, things outside of that. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Maybe watch out for the water. <laughs> watch out for the water pour. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. 2030, the year of Christ is returning. God damn it. Not um, Christ. It's past that. Aquarius. <laughs> Aquarius. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for the water pour. The water bear, basically. Okay. All right. We'll watch out for that son of a bitch. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on. Now, we're we're with Virginia, the author now. So um, we're kind of taking the story from when she acquires the chest. Virginia was married to a gentleman named... Curtly Cleveland and Virginia soon out soon found out that she was pregnant. Virginia would place the clothing for the baby in the drawers, but before it was even born, 
it died prematurely and on the exact same day that she put the clothing in the drawer. So perhaps she didn't fully understand the power of this curse, I guess. I don't really know. Uh, Virginia had two other daughters who were affected by the chest as well. The first of her daughters was Anne Carey Cleveland, who put her clothes in the chest and was struck by polio. She survived, but she struggled with kind of the long-term issues that comes with polio. And we'll talk about the other daughter in just a second here. So, I I don't know. Like, don't you think, if you're right, you're going to eventually write a book about this chest, right? Um, And that your grandmother told you all these people died from. Why are you, either you or your children, putting shit in the chest? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, this thing must be like perfect for like almost like it's made for like having baby clothes in it. Cause you hear a lot about people throwing their baby's clothes in it. The yeah. one thing is the babies, not only were they not born, they never wore those clothes. So it's one of those situations where you're kind of like, you're stretching it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. weird that it happened on the exact same day. Yeah. Uh, yep. But yeah, uh, in all of the other thing, it was, well, maybe not. Maybe you don't necessarily have to wear the clothes for it to affect you. Uh, maybe it's just having your clothes in it. Uh, also, though, polo, polio, very uh, a very hot item or a very hot disease. Yeah. To get at the yes, time. it a lot was. Of, a lot of people getting it. Uh, back yes, back. the fuck it was. Um, yeah, and we're like moving into the 40s. So, yeah, we're like, obviously, the fucking president had it, for God's sakes. Like, everybody had oh. He had it years before, but yeah, we're but, coming to the end of the you know time when people had polio. Yeah, yeah. so they yeah. had pretty. They were about to eradicate it, you know, in the next decade or so. Yeah, but I do. Um, I remember my grandparents who were like maybe teenagers at this time. Uh, they were talking about people that they knew who had polio. So. Oof. Brutal disease, man. Jesus yeah. Christ. But I I do believe it was in the waning days. Ah, um, okay. During the 1940s. So we should cover the guy who made the vaccine because I remember there's a big thing about the pharmaceuticals wanted him to like sell it, you know? Yeah. And then he gave he, it for free. Yeah, he yeah. gave it for free. Uh the reason why we don't have polio in the world right now is because he gave it away for free. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if it was up to the pharmaceutical companies, it would still be around. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah very, very true. All right. Now we're going to talk about her other, the other daughter, Virginia Hudson Cleveland. Now she was set to marry a man by the name of Wilbur Brister. Apparently Wilbur is a sexy name back then. Uh, <laughs> once again, she put her weather, wedding clothes into the chest. In 1944, Wilbur would be rushed to the hospital to have an emergency appendectomy. But he did not die from the appendectomy. He actually died from an overdose of ether. Uh, <laughs> also a very popular way to die back yep. then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least he was passed out when he died, I guess, but... Now, this next one, I just, I I don't even know how this fits in. But anyway, for some reason, the older Virginia and her husband, Kurtley, allowed their neighbor, Herbert H. Sonny Moore Jr., 
to put his hunting clothes into the chest. Uh, he was killed via a gun accident in their home in 1946. Why is their neighbor putting his hunting clothes in their chest? I, can, I just cannot figure, figure, figure this part out. This wrinkle in the story kind of feels like it's in there for seasoning. Ah, uh, it's, it's a little bit of flavor. Could Virginia it. have killed Herbert H. Sonny Moore Jr.? Because it says a gun accident in their home, uh, and he was killed there. So could she have put this in there even though she probably killed him? Uh, ooh, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, I think with a gun accident, that's... um. Maybe at the time they were calling suicides gun accidents. Ah, okay. Because okay, I, be. I remember hearing that uh, suicide, like people say like, oh, suicide, you know, barely ever happened before. And then it was on the rise and now it happens all the time. It's one of those things where they didn't ever announce that someone had committed suicide. It was always something else, you know, gun accident, accidental like overdose of something, they died of accidental poisoning, mm. they died of gun accident in the home, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about technically uh, the last victim here. Now, the older Virginia's and Kirkley's son, Richard, he put his clothes in the chest, and less than a week later, apparently, he was stabbed through the hand at school. Don't know who did it. Uh, he survived fine, but, you know, tragedy bespoke him there. So that's kind of the last victim, unless we are going to include the spellbreaker in there, which I guess she technically is a victim as well. But, um, yeah, so what do you... Okay, so far, before we get into the curse breaking, are you feeling this is a lot of coincidences? Feels like a lot of coincidences. Okay. I will say the last kid sounds like he had a uh, butterfly effect accident, <laughs> uh, just like that movie. Yeah. Um, but I will say, yeah, there is a lot of coincidences. There's a lot of um, it seems like I mean, there's a lot of normal shit kind of happening, especially for back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy that. They would come up, you know, she would hear this story. Obviously, it's not just her that the grandma was telling it if the grandma was telling all these stories. It's amazing that other people who knew or potentially had heard of the stories were also, like, putting their shit in the chest. <laughs> and they never thought once, like, maybe we should fucking get rid of this thing. Yeah, like, you know? that is a good point. Like, there's repeated parts of the story where it's the exact same person who's had dead people die from this chest are having more people put clothing in the chest. Yeah, the moment you put your shoes in this thing, you end up walking off a pier. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got to be careful. You got to yeah. be careful. But um, so kind of after all these deaths and just terrible accidents here associated with the conjure chest, uh, Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland decided she needs to finally, after fuck over a hundred years, needs to figure out a way to break the curse that is attached to the chest. So the story goes that Virginia would approach her African-American maid, Sally, who had worked for Virginia almost her entire life, and she asked her if she knew the necessary steps to break this deadly curse, and ironically, Sally knew how exactly how to break the conjure spell. It's so... <laughs> 
that's such a yeah you, just, i mean i know what you you're just gonna assume say. the only black person that she probably ever knows. speaks to or yeah. knows personally yeah yeah just assumes oh you know how to break a voodoo curse right <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the first thing i was thinking too i'm like She's like, oh, shit, I need to find a black person. Sally, how do you break this curse that's been killing my family for 100 years? That's like asking just the most racist thing to your, you know, any non-white friend. Like, if you knew a Chinese person, just assuming that they would know where, like, a good, you know, Chinese food restaurant place yeah. is. Or, yeah. or, like, Hispanic friend knows where a good, you know, taco place is or something like that. Like, why would you just assume that? I know. <laughs> but Sally probably wanting to keep her job, just like, yeah, sure. I'll tell <laughs> you. I'll tell You're you. Pay me extra, right? I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say this. Maybe it'll be controversial um, for our Latino and Hispanic listeners out there. And you let us know when you ask them where the best food is of their culture. They are gonna tell you their grandma. Guarantee it. They will say grandma had the best goddamn food. This I always hear it. Grandma always had the best food. Yeah, I I would say, well, my mom's a pretty good cook. Uh, Your mom was, is a good obviously cook. much better than my dad's mom. But my mom <laughs> was even better than my mom's mom. Really? So, okay. Yeah, she was. She was better. Well, and, uh, she has grand. She has grandchildren, so maybe they'll finally remember uh, grandma's delicious food. I don't know. The only thing that kids eat these days are fucking chicken nuggets. So, <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> yeah, I was with my nephew and he wouldn't eat anything but whipped cream over the weekend. Ah, so, yeah, he had yeah, a balanced diet of eating whipped cream with a fork, little piece by little piece. So, you know what? America's going in a good direction. Yep. We got uh, we got some of the, the healthiest generation ever <laughs> coming up, so it's all good. Here's what I don't get. Okay, Mr. Two-Year-Old Nephew, you've yeah. got a Midwestern delicacy called Tater Tot Hot Dish sitting on your plate, and you are eating whipped cream? What is wrong with you? Can you imagine telling Betty like whenever Ooh. Betty cooked you when you were like three or four, could you imagine telling Betty no? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you knew my grandma. Me neither. I can't no. no. Whenever she whenever she dished up food and put it on your plate, you fucking ate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. I've I've actually been talking about um grandma Betty and just Oh, the amazing food that that woman, her food has a special place in my heart for the rest of my life. She did fucking make a hell of a hot dish. Though, yes, she so. did. <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> uh, all right. Getting back here. Getting, so, getting back. Yeah. <laughs> now, Sally wouldn't. OK, before I start, this is really fucking weird how to break this. So bear with me. Uh, Sally informed Virginia that what she needed to do to break the curse was she needed one of her friends to give her a dead owl, but Virginia could not directly ask the friend for a dead owl. They just had to give her a dead owl randomly. Uh, That seems like a very hard task to accomplish. Um, After the friend gives her the dead owl, she then needed to pick leaves from a friend's willow tree and boil them 
for an entire day while this dead owl watched her. Okay, the oh, dead she was fucking with her. <laughs> the dead owl had to watch her while she was uh, <laughs> making a stock out of these willow leaves, apparently. So then after the day, Virginia had to take this willow tree leaf stock, put it in a jug, and bury it, making sure the handle of the jug was facing east under a flowering bush. The last caveat to breaking the curse uh, ended this way, that either Virginia or Sally, before the leaves fell off of said flowering bush that fall, uh, one of them would die. They were not sure who would die, but one of these two women were going to die. No surprise to the story, uh, Sally is the one who ended up being the sacrifice here. And thus, this apparently broke the conjure curse that had been placed upon the chest. To this day, they keep owl feathers in the top drawer to prevent the curse from kind of like coming back to life, I guess. Um, so, how do you feel about that curse breaking? Well, to starters, obviously, I really feel like we glossed over the fact that uh, Virginia couldn't directly ask her friend for a dead owl. She just kind of had to <laughs> know that Virginia needed one and yeah. give one to her. Yeah, that seems I I mean, <laughs> I've known you a long time. Yeah. How many times have you ever thought, you know what Phil could use? A dead owl. Dead owl. Yeah. Dead owl. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Well, uh, that one's crazy. Have you ever seen a dead owl? <laughs> yeah, I've seen a dead owl. I mean, oh, okay. Uh, I swear, some, like randomly, maybe only like three times in my life, people, the hunters would find like just a dead owl sitting in the forest. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if like I could get the FBI sent to my house if I'm, if I mail you a dead owl randomly. One day this year, um, I I feel like that I might get in trouble. If you just imagine <laughs> offering your friend a dead owl without knowing that they need one, just imagine what kind of relationship that would be like after that. Yeah. <laughs> once you, <laughs> you would be known as the dead owl friend, basically. Once you give your friend a dead owl, you know, kind of unprovoked, I don't yeah. know, you might tether your, you might ruin your relationship a little bit. So be careful. Uh, when giving out dead owls to people. There are some girls on Instagram that I've seen who may actually give dead owls abs as mm. gifts. So You know what my favorite part of that whole thing was? Is that the dead owl had to watch you boiling these <laughs> willow leaves <laughs> the whole time. I imagine you're just kind of like glancing over as yeah. as you're like stirring the leaves. You're just glancing over at it. And it's like, what do they have scotch tape peeling the owl's eyes open so it can watch you boiling the fucking water? What? I'm just like, what is going on here? I, I, I don't prop. know. You have it propped up against the fucking paper towels. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mr. Hoot Hoot. You got to watch me boil these leaves. <laughs> Second part, imagine someone coming into the kitchen and watching you boiling leaves with a dead owl yeah. watching you yeah. while you do it. You're pretty much immediately going to the insane asylum after that, yeah. especially back in this time. Oh, yeah. In this time, it's it's being very, it's not very nice and, you know, it's horrible history. Yeah. But a woman back then could be sent to the insane asylum for literally anything. Yeah. Imagine someone walking in on Virginia 
boiling leaves with a dead <laughs> owl watching gone instantly yeah. in the insane yeah. asylum yeah yeah i lucky she sounds like she's probably rich so she'll be oh. okay but fucking hell man i don't the other weird thing is this allegedly broke the curse but people are still terrified of the chest and they still have oh, owl, owl yeah. feathers in it i i don't I don't know. The whole episode is worth that one little part there, but uh, <laughs> the whole episode is kind of built around that. It's yeah, great. Yeah, I, I read. I I was reading it as you were saying it, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my, what? <laughs> how did how?" The, so I'm thinking in my head. Obviously, the curse is still there because there's no way anyone gave another human being a dead owl <laughs> like, out of the blue. Like, <laughs> well, if anybody out there thinks their family's cursed, I mean. And someone gives you a dead owl. I mean, why not try it? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. <laughs> I thought in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that Sally's just fuck. This is for all the times that she's cleaned out fucking fil- <laughs> that lady's filthy yeah, fucking house. Yeah. But Sally did die, I guess. So that's a little tragic there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's I don't know about this. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a skeptic. But yeah, just. Yeah taking away all of the curse all of the deaths everything like that the thought that someone would give a dead owl unprovoked <laughs> like that, that is a bridge too far honestly i would i would say everything else is legit before i said like that was legit like <laughs> maybe if you're looking for a promotion you should mail your boss a dead owl <laughs> just see if it helps at all <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what? I thought you had a curse to break. Yeah. Uh, you said you had a cursed dresser at your house. I'm just trying to help, bro. Um, you know, in some societies, this is considered a very nice gift. Yeah. Next next white elephant gift exchange you guys had, just put a dead owl in one of them and just see who takes it. <laughs> Someone gets stuck with a fucking dead end yeah, in the box. Yeah. Maybe make sure it's on ice, but be- like the day before the white elephant, or like hours before, so it's not rotting in the box. But uh, speaking of fucking dynamics changing in relationships, <laughs> yeah, a dead animal as a gift in white elephant. That actually probably a stuffed animal like that in Kentucky probably is a pretty normal gift to give someone taxidermy. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I ran's over this squirrel <laughs> yeah. last springs. And we stuffed it. Yeah, yeah. I ran over this squirrel, and then my wife got pregnant. And it's a good luck squirrel, I can tell. Um, Look at it. It looks like it's reaching up to the sky like Mufasa. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to finish out the last section here with... Um, round her out. <clears throat> with our boy, Zach, Zach Bangins. Um, now, as I mentioned, to this day, you can go to the Kentucky Historical Society and lay eyes upon the conjure chest. Now, the chest was given to the museum in 1976 by Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland. In 2016, legendary showman Zach Beggins. I don't even know how he did this, but he actually got them to bring the, bring the conjure chest to his show, Deadly Possessions, for him to kind of examine. Now, Zach and the other Ghost Adventures bros, uh, they decided to do a paranormal investigation with the chest. 
Unsurprisingly, Zach Baggins, the MF reader, went nuts when he aimed it at the top drawer of the chest. Now, Beverly, the latest author of the book, the granddaughter of Virginia, was there even though she didn't want to be. And uh, she kind of, Zach is asking her a bunch of questions about the chest. Um, He's using the EMF meter and he's aiming it at the chest and at Beverly and it's spiking again, meaning like there's some sort of psychic curse, spiritual connection between the chest and the bloodline of Beverly here, I guess. They also take random photos, right? And there's like a little splotch on there and Zach Baggins determines this is a ghost owl that Ah. is in the (laughs) in the photo there and uh, he kind of tops it off with knocking on the walls as well so Mr. Zach Baggins really stirred up the paranormal activity with the chest I will say you mentioned that Beverly the granddaughter of Virginia uh, you said she really didn't want to be there. Yeah. I imagine most people who meet Zach Baggins <laughs> would rather be like out of the room, like away from him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that spiky kinda. hair is scary. <laughs> also, too, those EMF readers, uh, that's one of those things where they think it's um, manipulated. So oh, you for can sure. To make it, you know, you can make it spike whenever you want to. And I'm sure uh, there's a, a little button on the back that Zach Baggins can like push. Yeah, crank it up, you know, definitely. It's I mean, there's a lot of charlatan tricks that, you know, can I mean, maybe it's not maybe it's all fucking, you know, just uh, happening for real. Um, The splotch with the the pictures and all that. The ghost owl. Yeah, the ghost owl um, (laughs) (laughs) or or anything like orbs, all that stuff. Um, Usually pretty explainable. So, you You know, know, you know what I found the most interesting about this little uh, snippet from the episode is the curator or whatever from the historical society refers to the guy as John Cooley instead of Jeremiah Graham in the episode. So I'm like, hold on a minute. Your website says Jeremiah Graham, but you just referred to him as John Cooley. So which fucking name is it? Well, he's probably not the guy who wrote the website, though. No, probably not. Yeah. But if he's the so, guy carrying the chest, you'd assume he knows something about it. Well, yeah. I mean, if he's a, you know, it's not like he's reading like verbatim from some, you know, authorized script. So he's probably going off the cuff for part of this. So that's true. I just thought that was interesting because yeah, obviously the names are. Like literally every name that I listed, uh, depending on the source, is completely different. It's either yeah. one way or the other. Um, so eventually, though, you do kind of start going into tall tale territory where like names will get kind of jumbled around. Yeah, a bit. So yeah, yeah, and a lot of them have like complex names, like where there's it's not just first last name; it's first two middles and then a last or hyphenated last names or, you know, like Southern rich people stuff. Oh yeah. Where, where you have all of your grandparents' last names, like bundled into your own name to show your lineage basically. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, how are you? Okay. What do you feel about the conjure chest? Are you on Zach Baggins side? You think it's cursed haunted or do you think this is just, 
a family who has had a lot of tragedy or you think it's just a tall tale? I'm going to go with, I think a lot of families had tragedies back then. I mean, the reason why there were such big families back then was because you expected, what is it, close to half of the children dying before they reached adulthood. Yeah. So, I mean, there was quite a bit of tragedy happening before the, you know, modern medicine, you know, modern techniques that we have now. Um, I will say that... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy to think that even after like the grandma was telling all of the stories about this chest, people were still using it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's the weird part. And the other weird part is like, okay, you got Virginia um who was told these stories by her grandmother Eliza, and then she made a book for her daughter about the chest. So, mm-hmm. But she was using the chest <laughs> kind of for a while till they broke the curse. Well, yeah. And you said it was given over in 1976. Yeah. Uh, yep. What year exactly was the curse broken? It doesn't say, but I'm going to assume like late 40s, early 50s. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So about 20 years later, they gave it to the Historical Society. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just the thing. It it has a good story behind it. Who knows how much of that story is true? Um, do they have like a headstone of, do they know like where Jeremiah is buried? That sort of thing. Or no, Jeremiah never died from the curse, did he? No, no. He no, just was kind of okay. the catalyst for starting it. Yeah, it was people surrounding his family, his descendants, his immediate family so yeah it's mm, i don't know about this one i mean i it's a good story i like it but what do you think about it (sighs) i yeah i don't know there's just a lot of like what would like i said improbable coincidences with deaths but yeah a lot of people died back then a lot of diseases could wipe you out pretty easy um it does go into the modern age a little bit but yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, this chest at this point is almost 200 years old. So it's a lot of history. It's first off a chest surviving that long. Incredible. And it has a lot of history. So uh, well, things back then were built to last. I mean, there's, I mean, think about, you know, your great grandparents would have bought a shovel and fully expected their, you know, to pass that down. Like to their grandchild, basically. You know what I mean? Like yeah, on the farm. Yeah, yeah. Like they, if you bought a piece of equipment, anything, if you, you know, you bought a fucking like a chair set or something, you fully expected that shit to last. You wouldn't buy it. If, like nowadays, everything's highly disposable. Everything in our homes is disposable now. Back then, nothing was disposable. Everything was supposed to like built to last or get destroyed in a fire, which is usually I mean, what happened. That's what I was going to say. Like with all the fires back then, fire. uh, yeah. solid wood chest with probably lacquer on it. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm-hmm. That thing didn't go up in flames at some point, you know, damn all people are setting their, um, kerosene Ashy lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, damn well they were. 
So, Missing the ashtray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the fact that it made it made it that long without burning up, or the fact that if it was cursed, they didn't burn it, like you you kind of said. Um, yeah. yeah, I I kind of feel like it's just a family tall tale. Um, but I guess I wouldn't. Here's what I always say: even if it's cursed or not, what it? Why would you even risk putting stuff in it? Like. You know, maybe you'll be looking for tragedy to happen if you put your shit in there. Or or it's being just kind of pawned off on like lesser liked members of the family. <laughs> that could be they want They're him coming to coming after my inheritance. Yeah. Give them the chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of wedding gifts for this chest. Yep. A lot of newborns and a lot of wedding gifts. Uh who, who is she marrying? A dirty Irishman. Give, <laughs> Give her the, the chest. chest. <laughs> Give her the chest. We'll fix this. Who what she... about her? A Scotsman. God. Give her the chest. Give her the chest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that a lot was care of their dirt spawn. <laughs> uh, if you guys have a family cursed item and you want to let us know about it, where can they get a hold of us, Phil? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, love to hear from everybody. It's always great. An even easier way to get a hold of us is on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Once again, we love all the messages, show ideas, the love, the hate. Send it all to us. Uh, Cody also has an Instagram account. What is that, Cody? You can follow me at Cody Zabub. Thank you to uh, everyone who's given me a follow. Send me a message. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, the last thing we ask you guys to do is log into iTunes, leave a show five-star review. doesn't particularly matter what you say. Uh, just five stars, type some bullshit in the box, hit submit. Thank you to everyone who takes the time to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, even easier, five stars, hit submit. You're all done. Thank you as well for doing that for us. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed a little bit wacky, a little bit tragic cursed item story. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>